everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Before the year 1492, the coat of arms of Spain read in Latin, Ne plus ultra, nothing lies beyond, because Spain was the end of the known world. Beyond that was just ocean. But then, 1492, Columbus discovers America, comes back to Spain. They change the coat of arms of Spain. They drop the ne to just read plus ultra. Something lies beyond. That reminds me of what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. Before Jesus rose from the dead, you could say that death was nay plus ultra. Nothing lies beyond the grave. We don't know what goes beyond the grave when you die. But when Christ rose from the dead and came back from the dead, he said, plus ultra. There is something beyond the grave for us. So what I want us to do in this program is to talk about why Jesus' resurrection from the dead is such a huge deal, why it changes everything. Four wonderful things are true because Jesus rose from the dead. Let's talk about them. Let's pray first. Father, we do praise you that you didn't leave us in darkness, but you raised Jesus from the dead. And we pray now your Holy Spirit will speak to us about what that event means for our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, Jesus rose from the dead, therefore, he is God. Now, if Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door like they've come to mine, they will teach you Jesus is not God. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I say, well, I believe he's the Son of God too, but there are Bible verses that teach that Jesus also is God. Well, no, they say, it says in the Bible, God raised Jesus from the dead. How can Jesus be God if God raised him from the dead? And I said, it is true. The Bible teaches God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. But I say, do you know there are also Bible verses that teach Jesus raised himself from the dead? Listen to this from John chapter 10. Jesus said, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. And then he says to the Jews in John chapter 2, Destroy this temple, my body, and in three days I will raise it up again. So did God the Father raise Jesus from the dead? Yes. Did Jesus raise himself from the dead? Yes, because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God. So, and you know what I say to Jehovah's Witnesses who deny that Jesus is God? Look what he did, does when he appears to Thomas after the resurrection. Thomas doesn't believe he's risen, so Jesus appears in the room. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And I say to Jehovah's Witnesses, notice, Jesus doesn't correct him. Thomas, you've made a big mistake. I'm not God. He just accepts it and said, you should have believed it without seeing it. <laughs> so Jesus' resurrection proves he's more than a mere man. He's the God-man. If you go to Red Square in Moscow, 
Embalmed in a crystal, crystal casket are the remains of Lenin. And you can see the embalmed dead body of Lenin. On the side of the tomb it says, He, Lenin, was the greatest leader of all peoples, of all countries, of all times. He was the lord of a new humanity. He, Lenin, was the savior of the world. <laughs> but notice, all that is past tense. Lenin was this, he was that. Jesus is eternally because he rose from the dead. One scholar put it this way. On Easter morning, Mary wept because Jesus was not in the tomb. Ah, but she should have wept if he had been there. <laughs> First thing that is true because of Christ's resurrection, he is God. Second thing that is true because Christ rose, therefore, Satan lost. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 that because we children have flesh and blood bodies, he, God, partook of the same nature that through death he, Jesus, might render him, the devil, powerless who had the power of death. In other words, because Jesus rose from the dead, Satan lost the battle. Jesus was alive on earth about 33 years. You could say that during those 33 years it was a battle to see who was going to win, God or the devil. Because for 33 years, the devil tried to get Jesus to sin. Jesus never sinned. And every time Jesus healed somebody, every time a sinner repented, the devil lost. But on Good Friday, when Jesus was on the cross, it looked like the devil was beating the daylights out of Jesus. Did the devil win when Jesus was crucified? The answer is no, Jesus chose to be crucified for our salvation, to pay for our sins, and then three days later, Jesus rose again, showing that ultimately God always wins the battle. So let me ask you this. Perhaps the devil has been beating you up in some area of your life, and you cried out to the Lord, God, help me with this. Help me be victorious over this. Lord, why is the devil winning on this? What I think the resurrection of Christ teaches is God will win for you. He might not do it immediately. Remember, God didn't raise Jesus on Saturday. He raised him on Sunday. Sometimes you have to wait. And then you've also got to allow God to do it in his surprising way. Do you know that nobody expected Jesus to rise from the dead? Even though Jesus predicted three times to the disciples, I, I will be killed, but I will rise, they didn't get it. So when Jesus rose from the dead, it was a big surprise. So my point is, what, what the resurrection of Christ teaches me is, Satan always loses, but you've got to wait on the Lord for God's timing and let him do it in his surprising way to give you victory over the devil. Back in 1637, the Shogun warriors killed all the Christians in Japan. 11,000 people were slaughtered. Years later, a missionary discovers a mass grave of 11,000 skulls. And then on a separate island, they buried all the bodies. And the missionary said, why did the Shogun warriors put the Christian skulls on one island and their bodies on another? And the answer was, they were afraid of the Christians because they had heard them preach the resurrection of the dead. So to keep them from rising again, they buried them separately. You know, did the devil win in 1637 when all the Christians were slaughtered? No, the devil did not win. You know why? Those 11,000 Christians are in heaven. 
And where are the shogun warriors? Jesus rose from the dead means, number one, he's God. Second thing it means, ultimately, God will always win. <laughs> Third thing the resurrection of the dead means, he rose, therefore, I can talk about my death. When I was 18 years old, my dad got a brain tumor. And the big question was, was it malignant? Was it going to kill him? And we weren't going to know until the operation. And then, then we would know if it was benign or malignant. Well, I remember my family flew up to Mayo's Clinic, and Dad had the operation. And eventually, he came into the family meeting room. And we all sat there. And we just talked about, I don't know, the weather and all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, can we get to the issue? And finally, I said, Dad, what did the doctors find? And my older sister gave me a look as if to say, Tommy, shut up. And I discovered we weren't going to talk about this. Privately, I asked Mom, what, what are they saying? Yeah, it's malignant. Dad's got six months to a year to live. He lived a year, but for that whole year, we barely talked about this. That's dysfunctional. <laughs> and you know, strong Christians can be dysfunctional on this. Here, here was a man that I knew his son was dying. But he's a Christian, and, and no, my son's a Christian, I'm a Christian. We're naming and claiming that God's going to keep him healthy. And there are no, no six bodies in heaven, and God, Jesus is going to heal my son. And that week, his son died. <laughs> you know, here's my point. If I was told I have six months to live, let me tell you what I would do. I'd call the prayer chain at the church and get the white-haired ladies praying for me. <laughs> I would go do James chapter 5 and get the elders of the church to anoint me with oil. But I'd also hold out the possibility that God wants to take me home. You know, a friend of mine said that he was going to go to Europe, and I got excited for him. I said, oh, you got to see this castle, and you got to go to these Roman ruins. And I told him where to go to Europe. But, you know, somebody tells us that they're about to die and go to heaven, we go, you know, it should not be so. Heaven is much better than Europe. <laughs> So my point is, you can talk about your death if you know Christ. President Andrew Jackson wrote his own epitaph, and here are the words. I have prepared a humble depository for my mortal body, beside wherein lies my beloved wife, for both of us there to remain until the last trumpet sounds to call the dead to judgment, when we shall rise together, clothed with that heavenly body promised to all who believe in our glorious Redeemer, who died for us that we might live, and by whose atonement I hope for a blessed immortality. He could talk about his death because he knew the Lord. There was a Jewish Christian by the name of Joseph Flax, on the day he died, he had predetermined that one of his friends would send out this postcard to all his friends. And here's what it read. This is to announce, I moved out of the old mud house, arrived in glory land instantly. I am absent from the body at home with the Lord. I find as foretold in his presence fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. We'll look for you on the way up at the redemption of the body. Till then, look up. <laughs> Because Jesus rose from the dead, number one, it shows he is God. Number two, Satan will always lose. And number three, you can talk about your death. Last thing that's true, because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, your life matters 
eternally. You know, the Bible says, if the dead are not raised, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if the dead are raised, your life matters eternally. Perhaps you've heard this story. I believe it was in the 1800s. An atheist lecturer was traveling around Scotland lecturing against the Bible. Very eloquent speaker. One night a large crowd is there. He blasts the Bible and blasts the belief of a, a supreme being. And then at the end of the lecture, any questions tonight? An old peasant woman stood up. She said, sir, you are so much more knowledgeable than I am, but permit me this question. I have been a Christian all my life. I find much comfort knowing that there's a God, there's a Jesus, my sins are forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. If I die and find out there is no God, there is no Jesus, there is no heaven, what will I have missed by believing in Christ in this lifetime? And he said, well, madam, I don't suppose you would have missed anything. Well, thank you. Can I ask one last question? Sir, when you die, if you find out there is a God, there is a Jesus, there is a heaven and a hell, what, sir, will you stand to lose? And the story goes that the audience stood up, applauded the old woman, and the atheist sat down. Listen, because Jesus rose from the dead, that means you're going to rise from the dead. You will be judged by God. And if you have Christ, you're saved. If you rejected Christ, you're in eternal trouble. But your life matters eternally. Here are the four things that are true. Jesus rose, therefore he is God. Satan will lose. You can talk about your death. And your life matters eternally. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, did Jesus' body rise from the dead or just his spirit? You have to believe that his body rose. It's, I mean, everybody's spirit rises after they die. I mean, there's a big difference between Jesus and your grandma and Martin Luther King Jr. Jesus is the only one yet who's risen with a body, an eternal body. Now here's where Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult. Christians believe Jesus' body went into the grave and the same body came out of the grave, transformed, but it still had the nail prints. But it could go through doors like it couldn't before. So it's a transformed body, but it's still his body with the nail scars. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus did not bodily rise from the dead, which is one of the reasons they're, I, I believe, a false religion. Okay. If people have trouble believing that Jesus rose from the dead, do you have to believe that to be a Christian? Absolutely you do. I mean, you don't want to believe in a dead Savior. And Jackie, here's the verse, Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But if you reject that, you won't be saved, which is why it's troubling that some liberal uh, professors in our seminaries and some liberal pastors today do not believe Jesus physically rose from the dead. Jackie, they're, they're playing with the, 
the, the essential of the Christian faith. You cannot deny that Christ is risen and be a Christian. Well, you know, you're talking about intelligent people. Why, why do the majority of intelligent people not believe? Well, it, it's the same reason the majority of unintelligent people do not believe. Here's the deal. The reason unintelligent and unintelligent people do not believe in Christ is they want to run their own lives. If I believe Jesus rose from the dead and is demanding me to follow him, then everything changes. I've got to rearrange my life. People don't want Jesus to run their life. They want to run their life. Whether you're intelligent or not so smart, <laughs> that's the main reason people reject Christ. Where in the Bible does it teach that Jesus is God? Yes. If the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door, it's very simple to remember. John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. And then there are many other passages too, but those are three chapters that all teach that Jesus is God. Okay. Why does Jesus say the Father is greater than I if he's equal to the yes. Father? In the book of John, Jesus says, disciples, you would have rejoiced when I told you that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Well, if it's true that Jesus is equally God with the Father and the Holy Spirit, why does he say that? Well, remember when he said that. Jesus was in his human body at that point. Jesus was God and stayed God when he took on a human body, but he limited himself. And, and so in that sense, Jesus is more limited than God the Father was at that point in history. And even Jackie, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, when Jesus comes back at the end of time and everything is submitted to him, then Jesus will submit himself to the Father. So he's subordinate to the Father, but he's equal to the Father. Like a wife is to be subordinate to her husband, she's still equal to her husband. They're both equally human. Well, God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, are equally God, but the way the Trinity works is the Son submits himself to the Father. So did the Father create Jesus? No, because you don't want to say that Jesus is created because then he's not God. God is eternal, and Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always existed in heaven. God the Son became a human at Bethlehem. He, he wasn't always human, but he was always God. So that's why in the Nicene Creed, what, we, what Catholics, Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, we all use the apostles, the apostles and the Nicene Creed that says, Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father. Begotten, not made, being of one substance with the okay. Father by whom all things were made. Okay, so... I guess my next question is, where did the Nicene Creed come from? Yeah, then? in early Christianity, there were heretics, false teachers in the church. One of them was the ancient version of Jehovah's Witnesses. His name was Arius. He taught Jesus is not God. Jesus is not eternal. God the Father created Jesus at a point in time. All the bishops came together in Nicaea in 325 AD and they condemned the teaching of Arius, saying it's not biblical, that doesn't follow John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. And so they, con they didn't kill him, but they condemned his teaching. And Arius was thrown out as a heretic. That's where we got the Nicene Creed. Okay. Do all of the churches use the Nicene Creed? Or? You know, uh, you probably won't, won't hear the Nicene Creed at a Baptist church or an evangelical church. Not that they don't believe that all the truths of the Nicene Creed, but they tend to be not very creedal. But if you go to a Catholic, Lutheran, Episcopalian, uh, Presbyterian, uh, probably Methodist church uses, uses the creeds. Yeah, most Christian denominations probably do, yeah. Okay. 
Um, should we talk to our children about heaven and hell? I mm -hmm. mean, it's, you know, I think it's easier to talk about heaven, but to explain hell to a child? Jackie, you're a, you're a parent, I'm not, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick little, you know, I used to do the children's sermon at Hope every Sunday, and my fellow associate pastor would, would joke and kid me because sometimes I talked about hell in the children's sermon, and I remember one Sunday he said, yeah, some kid went back to the pew going, hell, hell, nothing but hell. That was his joke. But then Brian, a friend of ours that used to be on the radio with me, said, and that's the reason I take my kids to Hope Lutheran Church because the pastor talks to the kids about heaven and hell. I don't say that you should scare them, but gently I think we can say, you know, kids, everybody dies. When you die, you go to heaven forever or hell forever. I think you can talk to kids about heaven and hell. Why not? I mean, good night. They see scary stuff in, in cartoons that are worse, you know. So, Well, just a plug for Hope Lutheran Church. Pastor Brian is yes. now the senior pastor. And he preaches heaven and hell. Right. <laughs> and his three boys are usually right in the front row. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. So then, I guess, is it wrong for people to go to faith healers? I mean, mm -hmm. it's getting to be such a thing. You hear about it all the time. Well, I, I think it's wrong to go to psychics. I think it's wrong to go to new age faith healers. But, Jackie, if you're sick and you need healing, James chapter 5 says you go to the elders of your church and ask them to pray over you and anoint you with oil. So if you have a friend who's a Christian friend and you want to say, say, could you stop and say a prayer for me? I've got cancer. That's fine. I'd stay away from the New Age stuff, which is not fine. Can a person claim for sure that God will heal their disease? That's a very prominent teaching on television uh, television evangelists that I name and I claim that God's going to heal me and be gone cancer, etc., etc. There's some truth to that, you know, that we can claim in Christ that we are whole and healed. Some of that healing, though, doesn't take place till heaven. So I, I think we can ask for forgiveness, of course, and ask for healing, but Elisha died of an illness. And Timothy is told by Paul, take a little wine for the sake of your stomach ailments. He doesn't say name and claim it. He says take your medicine. So I think we have to allow that God might want to take you home. So if a person has a relative who is dying and they want to talk to them about Jesus, mm -hmm. what would be your advice about how they should do that? Yep, yep. Sometimes I'll get a phone call, Pastor Brock, my... My husband's dying. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go visit him in the hospital and just pray for him. And I, I encourage them, well, make sure that you say this. Try, try to make sure you say, you know, honey, I just want to make sure that you know you're a sinner, that Jesus is the Son of God who lived the perfect life that we couldn't. He died on the cross to pay for our sins and rose from the dead. The Bible promises you if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. That's what I say at a deathbed. And that's what everybody should say. I mean, when my mom was dying, I had the heart-to-heart -heart talk with her about just that. And just, you want to make sure they know Christ for the salvation of their souls. Is there a point when you stop trying to do that? If they, if you've, I mean, if you have a relative and you've, you've shared the clear gospel with them and they go like this, well, you've done your part. You don't have to keep bringing it up unless the Lord nudges you to. <laughs> sometimes I can't keep my mouth shut, but yeah, sometimes I bite my tongue. Is, if somebody has a sin habit that they think they can't break 
than that. Mm-hmm. What would advice would you give them for conquering that habit? Yeah, I think um, confession. Have somebody you know that you can confess your sins to. Maybe once a week you meet with a Christian friend, and they hold you accountable, and they say, "How are you doing in this area?" And once a week you have to uh, get prayer and confession. That can really put a dent. In, in the life of a sin habit, Jackie, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I guess, Tom, is the Antichrist on earth right now? We don't know. But if you read, is it Second Thessalonians chapter 2 or First Thessalonians chapter 2? I always get this back. That's the Antichrist chapter in, in the New Testament. That's the largest one. There will be a person who will come and oppose God, even claiming himself to be God. Is that person on earth? Well, you know, the ancient Roman emperors claimed to be God. So they thought that one of those guys was going to be the Antichrist. Martin Luther in the 1500s thought the Pope was the Antichrist. Christians in Europe in the 40s thought Hitler was the Antichrist. So is the Antichrist alive today? The answer is nobody knows. It'll just happen when it happens. Okay. As long as we're close to Easter right now and mm-hmm. that we've talked about Jesus rising from the dead. Some say that Easter has pagan roots though mm-hmm. and Christians shouldn't celebrate it. Is that true? Well the, what's true is that the pagan, was it the Druids in, in Europe would worship Astaroth, Easter, Astaroth and, and they, uh, so yeah, but you know what they did, the Christians did, I think this is fine. To get the pagans who have converted to Christ away from their old pagan traditions, they, they co-opted the day and made it the day Jesus rose from the dead. So I think nothing's wrong with, with celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Did it happen on you know the day in March or April? We always say it does. Nobody knows when it happened. But I can take one day a, a year and, and celebrate Christ's resurrection. Yeah, but that's on a pagan holiday. Well, so what? Who says the devil owns that day? Well, I think... You know, every day with Jesus is better than the day before, go. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, we got forty-five we got seconds. Do you want to close? You know, I tell? do. And everybody, thank you for praying for this ministry. We were afraid we were going to have to cut back on the cities we're on because the money wasn't coming in. But we prayed, and you were great, gratefully generous, and we thank you for that. Every time we get enough funds, we add another city. So just pray for our ministry. You'll see our. You can watch this TV show anytime for free at pastorstudy.org. That's where people support our show as well. But just thank you for praying for us. We're happy we we didn't have to cut back. And may you have a great resurrection worship because of his resurrection from the dead. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55444.
4.1. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week. <laughs>